Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, a thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. Thank you also to the Clinician Experience Project by Practicing Excellence for sponsoring this episode. The Clinician Experience Project provides coaching and development solutions for clinicians, leaders, and teams working in some of the nation's largest hospitals and healthcare systems. As a leading provider of clinician-designed content, the Clinician Experience Project team partners with clients to deploy skill-building programs that map directly to organizational goals, delivering measurable enterprise-wide results. To learn more about how your organization can improve patient and organizational outcomes, visit www.practicingexcellence.com. My guest in this episode of Explore the Space podcast is an old friend of the show, my pal Michelle West. Michelle is an attorney in Southern California who joins us a few days after completing one of the toughest foot races on the planet, the Badwater 135, for the fourth time. This is becoming an annual tradition. Michelle comes on the show after she finishes. It's just amazing to speak with her. It was an absolute treat to have her back on. And the cool thing was, normally we catch up a little bit after the race before we record, but we, we went into this one fresh. This was actually our first conversation, which was really fun for me. And her, her insights just around moving through something difficult, tackling something difficult, seeing it through to the finish line, and, and the skills and the techniques she uses to get through that are really, really compelling. And her insights specifically around creating a high-functioning team under extraordinarily adverse circumstances is gold. This is gold, and it's, it's fantastic. I think you're going to really enjoy listening to this. You can find the other episodes that I've done with Michelle as well in the show notes, so definitely check those out. You can subscribe to Explore the Space podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to download your shows. Please do leave us a five-star rating and a review, and please do share the show with your friends and definitely subscribe. We'll have lots more great content, and all of those things really do help us out. You can email me, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. You can hit me on Twitter at ETS Show, and you can find the whole archive at www.explorethespaceshow.com. So now without further ado fresh off of completing her fourth Badwater 135 race through Death Valley in July, Michelle West. Michelle, welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm delighted you're here. I'm happy to be here. Happy to see you. I'm happy you're here too. I was worried that we might not ever see you again. (laughs) Me too. That's two of us. I was like, I'm never going to survive. You're five days out. You're Badwater plus five as we sit here recording this. You just finished your fourth Badwater 135. Has it sunk in yet? You know, it has. I, I'm I'm surprised I was able to do it. I was, I would, I, I'm almost sad it's over. I'm always sad it's over, but I'm always shocked, like, wow, I can't believe I did it. I, yeah. I mean, I did it. 
You did it. I mean, there's no question. Was there, was there like a euphoria that's worn off? I think it was more, I would say relief. I would say the first, uh, the first 50 miles I was, I was concerned. It's a really fast pace. I have to keep up to get to that first cutoff. Once I made it to that 50 miles, I was, I was relieved. I felt like I knew I could do it again, but it was really, really hard. I'm not going to lie. It was extremely tough this time. And just to give everyone context, you and I have not spoken since the bad water. So this is our like catch up. What was it like conversation? Normally, you know, I've crewed for you once. Normally we're like on the phone right after like we have, I've got nothing. I've got a little bit of Instagram and that's it. So (laughs) this is, this is very cool for me. I want to start though, because, uh, you know, I, I have the sense of what it looks and feels like out there, but I actually want to go back about two and a half weeks ago. I'm sure you saw Death Valley had a temperature spike to 134 degrees, like 10 days before the race started. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, definitely. We were all <laughs> freaked out about it. We were super worried about uh, about the heat and it was yeah. going to be record breaking. And in fact, it was record breaking. So I was panicking. You know, I was yeah. kind of like, oh, you know, I can do 122, 127. But once you get into 130, uh, that's scary. Friends of mine were asking me about it. I'm like, look, at temperatures that high, every degree feels like you're getting punched in the face. Like it matters for sure. 122 to 123, not just physically, but also mentally. It's like, oh my gosh, it's getting hotter. Seriously? Yeah, exactly. No, I was, I was, I was really freaked out. And so I will tell you, I was a little bit pleasantly surprised when I checked the weather about a week before we went in. And I saw that it was going to dip. And I think the high was going to be like 118 on race day. But, you know, it it doesn't even matter. Every day is so crazy there. I mean, we had conditions. It was pouring rain, lightning and thunder the night before the race. Oh, my gosh. I was totally freaked out. Like I heard so much, so much thunder. And I was I was trying to sleep. I was all nervous about getting my sleep before the race. And finally, I was like, forget it. I'm just going to get up. I'm going to go outside and I'm going to watch this crazy uh, this lightning show that was happening. So I, I got up and watched that for about an hour and the temperature dipped to, I'm not kidding. I think on my phone, it said 75 degrees. So it smokes 75 degrees, but within like about an hour or two, it was back up to, you know, 110. I mean, the, the temperature swing was just crazy. That is extraordinarily jarring to not only have like a minus 50 degree drop, but it's also getting pelted by lightning, knowing you're going to be out in like super exposed desert roads. You're just a giant target for nature. Oh my gosh, exactly. It was nuts. And then at the beginning, I have to tell you, this is the craziest thing, you know, because you've driven that road before. We're driving to the start. We're driving to the Badwater Basin. And on the way, the temperature is, it says like, you know, 108. And I'm like, okay, 108. That's okay. That's fine. And then all of a sudden you see these people and they're walking and it's only the first like 17 miles. I'm like, you know, typically people are not going to walk. They are, they look like they can barely move forward. And all of a sudden we like the wind is just howling. There's like sandstorm. Like it was almost like whiteout conditions, sand. And wow. So this is the first stage of runners that you're now seeing on the road. Exactly. This is the first wave, the eight o'clock wave that's already started. And as we're making our way to the nine 30 start, we're seeing what they're experiencing. And I really started to freak out. Then I saw that the temperature raised in this one section for about two miles. It went from like one Oh six to one twenty six. And it was in this, it lasted for about a mile or two. 
And then I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. It was just the most strange weather condition. And still, uh, still there was like, you know, there was uh, clouds everywhere. There was just, it just looked like strange weather conditions. And it seemed kind of scary, you know, because you just don't know what's going to be thrown at you. So here's where I want to get to the part that I know who people who've heard you on Explore the Space podcast love about this is the stuff that kind of comes out of this extraordinary experience that for anyone else is actually there, that there's there's levers to pull that there's, there's actionable things. How do you move? I've heard you say that you felt like you were freaking out three different times. It's this bizarre weather. It's hot. It's all of these things. You're seeing other runners. You're in this, this headspace of chaos. How do you move from all of that fear and anxiety and uncertainty and physical discomfort to a place at the starting line of like, okay, I am now about to start. Do you find a place of peace or do you just take the chaos right with you to the starting line? I just took it right with me to the starting line. I was, I was really nervous and I just, I just used all that nervous energy and just put my head down. And honestly, when, when we, you know, they sang the, the, uh, star spangled banner and then we started the race and uh and i just put my head down and just charged through the wind and i just it was just really tough wind conditions sand blowing i just put my head down and ran honestly probably too fast for about 17 miles to furnace creek it was uh I almost couldn't deal with it. It was like I could only use up all that energy by just running through it. Uh, it helps me to hear this because I remember. So we can follow runners right on the website and we can see when you hit the different checkpoints. And I've got it right in front of me. You were 5.8 miles per hour in the first phase to Furnace Creek in that first. Set. And I saw that and I said to Jessica, my wife, who's been out there, she's like, she's flying. Did you feel it or was this just you compensating for the wind? No, I was flying. I, yeah. I I had so much nervous energy. I really didn't know what else to do with it. And I just, I, I just put my head down and ran through it. It was too fast. I'll tell you it was, <laughs> I knew it might be, they tell you like, don't pull the rookie move. Don't go out too fast. And I knew I was going too fast. I, I was so fast that my crew couldn't find me. So they, oh. they missed me. So at, oh. they couldn't even pick me up until mile four. <laughs> it was, it was about mile four and I wanted to be crewed every two miles. So I was going too fast. I was really pushing hard and I just, I just wanted to get through that, that sand. I felt like I could, if I could just get to Furnace Creek, I could make it through that wind and that sand. And I felt like there was perhaps better weather around, you know, up around the corner. So I just really pushed hard to get there. And it turned out there was better weather and like much more calm conditions uh, right around uh, Furnace Creek. So, uh, you know, I just really pushed hard to get there. And you're doing this in the dark too. And I think that there's some symbolism there. I can't think of it being a more chaotic way to start barring that you thankfully didn't get hurt, right? It's uh, having experienced what it's like when it's windy and just so people can have a sense of what it looks like. Part of uh, Star Wars was filmed there. Tatooine was set right where you're running because it's those sand dunes and it's hot and exposed. Like that's what you're running through, but you're doing it at night. Have you ever experienced, given that this is your fourth battle order, was this the most adverse conditions that you've experienced? I think it was close. There was another year where we had lightning and thunder and uh, almost almost rainy conditions at the start. Yeah. And it was a howling, like heavy wind, really hot conditions. 
but I think it only lasted a couple miles. I think this one lasted a little bit longer. I think yeah. it lasted at least when I started, it felt like it lasted for about 10 or more miles. So it was pretty crazy. Usually what I like is I like it to be still or a little breezy, but not windy. And I like to look up, we usually run this with a full moon. So I like to really kind of look around and enjoy the full moon and look at the mountains in the distance and just see the vastness of the desert. But this time I couldn't even look up because I didn't have any clear glasses, uh, you know, anything to block the sand blowing in my eyes. So I couldn't even enjoy it. I really was just like head down, looking at the white line, one foot in front of the other, (laughs) trying to get through it. Relentless forward motion. That's what, that's what you taught me a couple of years ago. Did, did, was there ever a point though, where, you transitioned because you have some experience to say where you're, the mental talk, the the playback that you're getting is this is fine. You're OK. Keep going. Or, OK, this is this is a super speed wobble and this we're not going to do this. How do you how do you find the the right mental talk volume? You know what? I So for me, what I like to do is I like to run with the music. Yeah. And I notice that when I just if I can just start turn the music on and then tell myself that this is a fantastically enjoyable experience and, and just put my head down and get through it. I I really did try to enjoy it. And so I did, I really just put my head down, ran on the white line and listened to music and just really powered through it. Um, So, you know, I was able to sort of get to that place where I thought, okay, I can do this. I've done this before. It may not be exactly the same conditions, but whatever is going to be thrown at you, you can handle it and you will adjust, you know, maybe you'll, maybe you'll slow down a little bit. Maybe you won't look around because the sand's blowing in your eye, whatever it is, like you do adjust a little bit and maybe you need a little bit more motivation from the music. And I, I had just read a study about music how it really does assist in your workouts. I think that it uh, takes away the perception of your effort. So you're, you don't feel that you're working as hard when you're not listening to yourself huff and puff. And like you have your headphones in and you're listening to the music. And I think it really does help to kind of push you a little bit without thinking that, that you're working as hard. Here's where I am endlessly curious. And I mean, we've been friends now for almost a decade I still want to better understand. I get what you're saying, right? You and I do Peloton rides together and you're right for that 30 minutes, 45 minutes, for sure. You were on the road for 38 hours, 31 minutes and one second. <laughs> That's a whole other sport. Obviously it's, it's, it's an entirely different solar system to be trying to apply that same rule to do you break it up into like, okay, this is a 30 minute section now, or this is a, do, do you try to compartmentalize it or do you just ride this really long 135 mile wave? You know, I do compartmentalize it. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you, you, and you understand how the race goes. I push myself really hard for the first 50.5 miles because I know there's a tight cutoff and yeah. I'm a decent runner, but in these conditions, in the heat, I know I've got to make that cutoff. I had for my starting wave, 930, I had to make it to the 50.5 mile mark by 10 o'clock. So I think that is, that is what, 12 and a half hours, 
which sounds like plenty of time on a <laughs> 50 mile race. <laughs> I got to tell you in these conditions and you're running, you're running through your first night, which I'll be honest, running through the first night is, was not that hard. I mean, that's not that bad. So I I really did compartmentalize it. I knew I had to push hard. I want to get through that, get to that first cutoff. And I knew after that, then I feel like the rest of the cutoffs are manageable. And then I know that you're going to pick up a pacer to assist you and a pacer is someone that runs with you and that gives you moral support it can provide some water for you uh, in the form of like spraying you with ice water in case you're really hot. And I knew that that pacer was coming in the future and that was going to help me. Mm-hmm. So I do compartmentalize it. I know the first 50.5 miles is one is one phase. And then the next phase is climbing Towns Pass, which is, you know, climbing up to 5,000 feet. And then the next part yeah. is descending down uh, into Panamint Valley and then uh, into Panamint Springs, which, you know, we call the frying pan, really hot down there. Totally. Oh my and then, gosh. And then hitting that 72 mile mark where, you know, you're going to sit down and let the crew get a rest and some food for a little bit. And then, you know, the climbing starts again and just, you have all these different sections and you do compartmentalize yeah. and you allow yourself to take a different pace and a different attitude about all of them. You know, you can't, you can't attack them all the same because they're so different. So we've spent some time obviously between the ears. And I think what is always so exciting for me to hear, I'm not going to do a bad water, but it's just that reminder of taking these large challenges and breaking them into just what is in front of you. And the corollary, obviously for what myself and many people that listen to explore the space have gone through is with the pandemic. And now with more surges, like We've, we've been in this space before. It's not fun. We don't like it. It's really difficult. But we know the work in front of us looks like this. And we just have to kind of wade into that wind and sand and heat and discomfort. And that's that mental part that quite honestly, hearing you talk about it, like I can't get enough. It's totally exhilarating. How do you then deal with the physical discomfort? Because just being on your feet and the sleep deprivation and the hunger and the nausea and all of the things... How, when those start to peek behind the curtain and say, hey, yeah, you think you got this easy? I'm going to make your knee hurt. All right, I'm going to give you a stomach cramp. Okay, I'm going to make it where you don't want to drink anything for a while. How do you kind of fold that in and just stay on the path that you know you need to follow? So that's a, a really good question because this year I had a harder time than ever. I'll be honest with you. Even oh, though wow, really? it, was, it was not as hot as other years, but yeah. by mild I would say 25, my body decided that it wasn't going to allow me to keep anything down. And oh. I, had nev- I had never dealt with that before. At mile 25? Yes. It was oh, crazy. man. It was crazy. So I started to panic a little bit because usually I, I can deal with, you know, fatigue and, and, and nausea and certain things. But this level of your body just rejecting not ever, not only like food, but water, everything that you that I was putting into it. So it was it, that was tough. But I did benefit from my crew at this point because I, I, I remember saying, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. And one of my crew was a former world champion uh, cyclist. So he was a, a guy who had done solo Ram, which is race across America, uh, race across America. He had done uh, PBP, which is a, a cycling race in, uh, in France, which is that's Perry Bray, Paris to Brest to 
Paris. So he was like a champion cyclist. So he had this a mentality, like a real champion mentality. And I remember kind of panicking. And, and I said, I, I don't know how to deal with this. I've never dealt with this before. And he said, well, why don't you just slow down and just walk for a couple miles? And I bet you're going to feel better. And so I said, okay, I just, I just started walking. I walked for a couple miles and you know what, in a couple miles, I did actually start to feel better. I was looking at the notes that they made because there's a, a chart that I put together. It says every hour, what do I, what do I take in? What's my output? Like, you know, I remember that chart for sure. <laughs> and it says things like, you know, I had two bottles and then it will yeah. have a note on this one. It said, unfortunately, like, you know, expelled two like bottles everything. In, two right? bottles out. Yeah. <laughs> two in, two out. So yeah. it was like, I had expelled everything. But, you know, it was funny, like watching all of that, like all my input, like all that I had taken in, all that I had put out. And then it said (laughs) after my problem about an hour later, it said singing and happy. Wow. (laughs) It said singing happy now. So I was like, okay, well, evidently I had I had started to do better. And little by little, I was able to take I was able to at least take in water and Coca-Cola. And so that was literally. That is what totally powered me through the whole race. I I did this race on water and Coca Cola. I could you should not get a sponsorship it. for next year from them. They'd love it. <laughs> it was crazy. I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't take take in anything else. But you know what? And then after that, it was the fatigue. And then after that, it was. I you know I got lucky. I think my back hurt and my I was tired. But other than the nausea and not being able to keep anything down, it was just really the fatigue. So, you know, they say in ultra running, hey, whatever hurts now, don't worry. Something else is going to hurt worse later. You won't even even remember that, you know. Is there a part of your body that you trust? Is there a place where you're like, okay, mile X, nausea is better, but now my back is hurting or that? Where you just say, look, I can I can just shift into a different gear and lean on this part of my body because it will not let me down. Yeah, my legs. All yeah. Like my legs are are pretty good. I, I love to run. And anytime there's if I get to a spot where I can run, which mm-hmm. I do uh, for especially that first 50 mile section, I can run a lot of it. And I just, you know, you just kind of put it in cruise control and just allow yourself to run and just enjoy it. You're not going too fast, but you're moving at a pace that that allows you to really cover some distance and try to enjoy it. And, you know, I feel like my legs aren't going to give out. You know, they they always work for me. I've been really lucky. I don't cramp. I know some people have debilitating cramps. Man, I, I don't have to deal with that. Thank God. I just am really lucky. I just keep you mentioned going. on it. You mentioned in an Instagram post. One word that stuck out to me was hallucinations. Oh, yeah. Uh Oh, what? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Walk us through the hallucinations in the desert. Oh my gosh. It was just nuts. I, this was the hardest year fatigue wise for me, but maybe it was because I couldn't consume as many calories and maybe it was making my energy dip, but uh, I was so tired. I was exhausted. And I remember my pacer at the time would say things to me and I would have just, I mean, the craziest things at one point, I thought he was like pull, pulling a ship out of a box that was in the middle of the roadway. <laughs> it was like, I thought there was an alligator. It was like a Peter Pan oh. alligator at one point with like a clock in his mouth. And I remember I said the words, I said the words TikTok to him, to my pacer. And I, and all of a sudden he was like, are you okay? I'm like, am I saying crazy things? Like, I mean, I really was 
saying the craziest things. I had no idea and I couldn't stop. It wouldn't stop. I would take caffeine. It wouldn't matter. I was constantly having just like, just, I mean, hallucinations. Like I said, alligators, ships, ships that were inside boxes that were coming out of the roadway in front of me. You know, the white line turns into a canyon and you're like stepping oh down my into gosh. it. Yeah, it was crazy. And I, it was just odd. And you know, you know, it's happening. So yeah. you just, you just, just tell the person like, I, I am having a hard time. <laughs> like I'm, not, I'm hallucinating. I'm, I'm, I'm sleepwalking. And, you know, you just kind of keep going. And, you know, from when we crewed somebody before, the hallucinations are strong. They really yeah. believe that, that it's real and it's happening and it's hard yeah. to know how to deal with them. Yeah. So That's amazing. It's just amazing. And then the last 12 miles is a climb, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just, that's all you need, right? But, you know, it's the bad water. It's the toughest foot race on the planet. So it's got to end with a 12 mile climb. <laughs> At what point did you say to yourself, I'm going to finish. I'm, I'm good. I've got work to do, but I'm getting to the finish line. Like it's, it's number four is in the bag or did that happen at all? I think, Oh, definitely. I would say as soon as I get to mile 50.5, I would say I, I feel confident. Yeah. Yeah. I'm confident. I'm really confident. If I make that cutoff, I'm going to make it. That's just it. I mean, that that's going to happen now. That's my confidence level. Now I, I hope that I'm right about that. Cause if I went back and did it again, some of the Pete Kosselnick, uh, DNF this year at, at Darwin, he was flying. And then, and then a really amazing winner, uh, McKelly, the Italian who had won in 2018, he also DNF'd and I saw him suffering. So, you know, you can be as confident as you want. I'm sure they both went out thinking they might win it. So, but I felt confident that I would make it, um, even though I, I saw these winners, past champions, just suffering. But for me, I guess I felt like I can, I'm not trying to win. And I was actually talking to my pacer about that because he used to be a, a, a real true racer who was a champion. And then there's a difference between someone like me who I am trying to finish, but I'm not I'm not going for the win. And I think that maybe that's a little bit different pressure that I'm under. Um, I'm sure there's more pressure if you're trying to go for the win. Um, So I felt like I knew, uh, barring some disaster, I was definitely going to make it as soon as I got to mile 50.5. I was going to get to the finish. You were going to get there. How did you feel when you finished? Did it feel different than previous years or? It felt great. It's always, it's, it always makes me a little bit sad. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I, it does make me a little bit sad because it's over, even though you want yeah. it to be over, probably as soon as you start, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have 134 miles to go, 133, 132. But you know, when you're climbing that last brutal climb and every step really does hurt, but it's beautiful. And then you, you cross the finish line and it's such a epic feet for your team. And it's so much fun. And, you know, you get to focus on this one task and one task only for two days and, and then it's over. So you, in a way you, you already miss it as soon as you cross the finish line, you're so happy, but you're also sad, you know, it's, it's the, it's, it's such an escape, right? Your phone doesn't work. You're not even looking at your phone, but like for the crew, your phones don't work. There's no signal and you're not supposed to try to like bring your own little mini router. Like that's not the point you are in a, a, a clarity of purpose and intention that is, it's totally exhilarating. And in our time and space now, so rare. And I totally hear you say that 
it's you're sad when it's over, even though it's hard work and you're tired and everything hurts. Like it's a, it's such a rare place to be able to have that level of peace and just be able to okay, you, 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 uh, we're going to rely on each other. And really that's it for right now. That's it for two days. That's so cool. Yeah, that's it. And you really do rely on each other. I mean, to for survival, yeah. like yeah. I can't survive even more than two miles out there without yeah. them. And the same goes for all of us. I mean, we yeah. all are exhausted, as you know, like we're all exhausted. We all need water. We all need ice. And, and we really are just this little, you know, a roving team yeah. that has to be there for each other and has to take care of each other. But it is great to that, that level of focus that you get it's a such a luxury such a luxury I, I every year that i've not been able to crew for you i have the most intense level of sadness that i'm just not experiencing that and like rolling with you and spraying you with water and sitting <laughs> in the cab of the van like it's it, the same exhilaration that I get, like waking up in the middle of the night to track your progress and text my friends who are like waiting for me to text them. You're like, I'm texting Dave and I'm texting with your brother, Matt. I'm like, she's through Darwin. It's three in the morning or whatever. I, it's the best, but it, it's, it doesn't make up for actually being out there, which brings us to the critical question. What's up for 2022? Oh my gosh. You know, it's so funny. I, every year I say never again, never again, never <laughs> right, again. Right. And even when I started this year, I was like, never again, what am really? I doing? How can I do yeah. this? It's so yeah. hard. Like, yeah. am I, am I, am I really like, is something wrong with me? How can I do this? Like, who do I think I am doing this? You know, it's so hard. But then honestly, within one day, I would say yeah. I woke up the next morning and I thought, you know, Five would be a good number. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. How do you feel physically now? Speaking of five, five days out from the race. I feel do you great. Feel, yeah. Like, how do you feel? I feel great. I would say I have waves of tiredness, like waves okay. of, of, of being tired, but my feet are great. My legs are great. I have no soreness. Like, <laughs> oh I feel gosh. great. I, I mean, people, I show up at work on Friday and people are like, why are you here? Why are you walking? You went to work on Friday? You got, you got off the trail middle of the day on Wednesday? Yeah. And, oh, and my I, gosh. Yeah. I had to like drive the crew back, return the van, unload the van, clean the van, put everything away, do laundry. <laughs> oh and then, God. yeah, I went to work. So Amazing. It, yeah. it was. I feel great. I'm really lucky. I will say that. Biomechanics, a, I feel lucky. What's a lesson or a, a theme or... What's the thing from your fourth bad water that is going in your back pocket? It's going in your vault. This, this, this piece to say when, when something's hard, this is the takeaway from 2021 that I will look down and say, ah, this piece, now I can deal with hard things. Okay. So I would say it was the fact that my family was not crewing me or the yeah. family are close friends. So this yeah. year, my family and, and close friends were unable and unavailable to crew right. me. And right. that caused me some real concern. I was nervous about it. It's something I hadn't experienced before, but I decided I still want to do it. And I and I I asked people who I thought, you know, these people seem like they are would be good and I and I'm gonna trust them. And I asked them and we did some Zoom meetings and uh then uh, someone reached out to me and said I'd I'd like to crew for you and I I thought about it and I was able to assemble this amazing team of people who we all did a 
a great job. Everyone was great towards each other. It was so positive. And it just shows you that you might have some expectation of something and you might feel that I want it to work out this way. But, you know, you really can adapt and you really can be pleasantly surprised that you can assemble a team of quality individuals who are going to have, uh, you know, work towards a common goal and all, and also have like a, a really pleasant time. My goal for the crew was be safe and have fun. And that's it. That's all I said. Be safe, have fun. I just want us to have a good time. And I think we really accomplished that. I mean, everybody was great towards each other uh, and we had a great time. And, and we obviously accomplished the task as well. So, I mean, it was just, uh, it was, that was a good lesson. You know, don't, don't give up just because you can't have what you think is your dream team. It's not always going to work out. You need to, you need to trust in other people and they're going to do a good job for you. And there's lots of other people who you can assemble into an, a, an amazing team, you know, and that's kind of like life, right? I mean, it, you don't always, it doesn't always work out exactly how you want. And you know what? Sometimes you're pleasantly surprised, you know? I think of all of the pieces that I would want to read your like uh, book about, it's not the, what's it like on the road? It's hot. It's, it's the way you have reliably year after year formed a team that like they'll run through the desert with you, you know, and they'll do it again. Um, I think that's something that I, I I don't know how much you've been able to sit and think about that. That's all you. It's not them, right? You're the runner is the team leader. There's a crew chief, but that's not the. I've been in the crew chief. The crew chief is not the leader. The runner is the leader, and the way you do that is really it's high art. <laughs> disparate opinions, disparate physical stamina levels, all of the things that come out when you're hot, tired, sweaty, and far from home. And your teams just hum. It's a really remarkable skill that you possess. You know what it is? I, I think it's because I just wanted everybody to take care of themselves and take care of each other. So I always tell them like, hey, this is a fun run and I'm really glad we're out here doing it. But really, we're here to just have fun. I mean, really, if we're not doing it for fun, what is the point? I have heard such horrible things about the cruise and I've heard that it's the worst experience ever. Nobody should do it. And so I hear concern when people, uh, you know, when people are like, well, I've heard this, I heard it was horrible. I heard it's the worst thing I've ever seen fighting. And I said, not on my crew. That's no. never happened. We're never, never going to have that happen. You know why? Because that's not how we are. That's not our mindset. And we're going to have a wonderful time and we're going to be nice to each other. And that's it. Like it's, and I always, that is what I do going into it. All my crew meetings, that's, I reinforce that. That is our whole goal. That's it. And it's just about being safe, have fun. That's it. And I and I really think that mindset and going into it with that makes a big difference. I, I just I want to be a part of that again so badly. So hopefully you run next year and hopefully there's a spot for me on your crew because I'm <laughs> so in. Oh, my gosh. You're ready for the sleep deprivation and, uh, the, and well, unbearable heat, the relentless I'm, heat. I'm ready. I'm absolutely ready. You're, speaking of relentless, your tagline, which is my favorite, is relentless forward motion. Was that still part of the part of the run in 2021? A hundred percent. Yeah. Just relentless forward motion. One foot in front of the other. Just keep going no matter what. You might stumble in one foot in front of the other, but that's okay. <laughs> sometimes you're running, sometimes you're barely stumbling, you know, a crawl is okay too, whatever it takes. It's the best. Michelle, 
all of the people that you know I was texting with and communicating with, I cannot begin to express how proud we all are of you and to know you. You know, my wife, Jessica, who you know really well, I mean, she sends love. And obviously, you guys will have a chance to chat when we're not recording a podcast. But like, <laughs> there's something about this one that like everyone was just really pulling for you and really excited when you were starting, when you were rolling, and when you finished. This one resonated. So thank you for bringing us all, at least in some way, on this run with you. It's just the best, and we're so proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I really felt that this year, too. I really felt like the love and support. So I appreciate it a lot. Hopefully, we will uh, we'll, we'll be out there with you next year. But thanks for taking the time. This was awesome. And congratulations on Badwater 135, number four. <laughs> well, it's always awesome being here with you. Thank you. My thanks once again to Michelle for joining us on this episode of Explore the Space and sharing her remarkable insights on this incredible adventure, finishing her fourth Badwater 135. It's always a treat to have her on, and it's just wonderful to learn from someone who's doing such extraordinary things. Thank you also to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. Thank you also to the Clinician Experience Project by Practicing Excellence. The Clinician Experience Project provides enterprise-wide healthcare coaching and development solutions for clinicians, leaders, and teams to improve patient connection, team collaboration, and leadership effectiveness. Organizations see significant results when participants spend a mere five minutes per week building skills through app-delivered programs. To learn more, visit www.practicingexcellence.com. And thanks to you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's a great opportunity to have Michelle back. And there is a link in the show notes to her previous appearances as well. Find me on Twitter at ETS Show. You can email me anytime, Mark, at explorethespaceshow.com. Please do share Explore the Space with your friends and your colleagues. That really helps us out. And definitely subscribe wherever you like to download your shows if you haven't already. We will be back soon with more great content. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.